Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where each week and every week we sing you a rhapsody of the bohemian style, and by rhapsody I mean beer. Yes, that's right. We are heading to Pills to talk all about the beer that began there. The Pilsner, the one and only. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. Sunday Thrills. It's like an early 2000s band. No, it's... Um, you're thinking The Killers. No, it was similar. Was it? Was it The Killers? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was The Killers. Or Jet or something like that. Oh, yeah, no. I think... Um, was it Get from the album Get Born? Maybe. I don't remember. We're not a music podcast. Let's not have this discussion on the. We shouldn't confuse people. Chills, pills, and Sunday thrills. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, this is a Tuesday, so. Chills, pills, and Tuesday thrills? Sure. <laughs> Pilsner. Pilsner, people. We're talking about Pilsner. Pilsner, not music. Which is a type of pale lager that, as we mentioned in the intro, derives its name from the Czech city of Pilsen. Where it was first produced. Mm. It was the world's first blonde lager. And the company to originally make it, Pilsner Urquell, or however we've mispronounced it, (laughs) is uh, still in business and producing Pilsner to this day. Mm. Challenging to get into into Australia, though. Oh, yes. Because we are a giant island, and therefore... Things have got to fly or take six months. It's great. Yeah, and that's beer doesn't doesn't handle that particularly no. well. No, so you've we we can call it uh, pilsner pills or I guess light pilsner or pilsen, um, or even pilsen urquhart. Plenty yeah. plenty of names for this uh, very light pale beer. Mm. So, I suppose we should go back to the beginning, back to where it all began. In the city of Pilsen. In the city of Pilsen, which actually began brewing beers in 1295. Mm. But until the mid-1840s, most bohemian beers were top-fermented with a taste and quality that varied widely. Mm. And it, they just kept brewing it and... Until one day they're like, no, this beer is just crap. We need a solution. And yeah. they tipped all of their fermented beer out into the streets. Mm, 36 barrels, to be precise. <laughs> Which, Amazing. Um, yeah, was enough to make the town of Pilsen take note. And the following year, in 1839, the... Oh, I can't read my own writing... Ah, in 1839, the officials of Pilsen founded a city-owned brewery, which was to brew beer in the, at that time, pioneering Bavarian style. Mm, so, lager. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so the brewery 
recruited the Bavarian brewer Joseph Kroll to come to Pilsen and teach them the lagering method of brewing that was used in Germany. Mm. So that name that that name might sound familiar if you've heard of the beer Grolsch. Yes, because the man was, of course, a successful brewer already. Mm. And, and he, he was the founder of that company, wasn't he? Well, and he returned to Germany after teaching them his trade and continued to brew there. Makes sense to me. Yeah. But we digress. Because he did, in fact, go to Bohemia and go to Pils. And then he located a source of lagering yeast which uh, legend tells us was stolen by monks sometime earlier and taken there, but whether or not that's true is anybody's guess. I mean, monks stealing yeast seems an odd thing. Well, monks uh, held held secret the recipe for chartreuse for a very long time. That's true. I'm sure they just borrowed the yeast. <laughs> but uh, then he discovered a... Uh, there was a nearby source of Saar's hops, which was uh, quite commonly used in Germany. And because the water in the area was very soft, it made for a good light beer. And so they carved caverns for lagering into the local sandstone because there wasn't really anywhere suitable. And then they were good to go and began production. Hmm. So they, their recipe differed from the traditional lager style in the fact that they used light barley that was only partially malted and none of the roasted or smoked barley that the German brewers were using at the time. Grohl decided to add uh, generous portions of, of the Saar's hops to his brew to give it their own flavour. And on in October, and on October 5th... 1842, he and the other brewers of Pilsen gathered together for their first taste of the new beer. And uh, they loved it. It wasn't like anything they had ever seen before, and it was an instant hit. Mm. It was... They, they ended up with a light beer, a light, refreshing beer, full of delicious malt, like light malt notes. Um... What else are you tasting in this beer? I suppose let's talk about the one that we're drinking now and then get back to the history. Because then we can mention all about the flavours of Pilsner mm. by talking about what we're tasting in this Pilsner. So, we are drinking... We are drinking Carlsberg Danish Pilsner, which has apparently been made from 1847. Mm. Which is but not long... After the uh, Bohemian Pilsner. Yeah, not long at all. So it, it's a very light coloured beer between uh, straw and a pale yellow. It's, um, it's, it's a very light, refreshing beer. Lots of head, lots of fizz. You could, yeah. It's the kind of beer you could drink all afternoon. Oh yeah, very um, very effervescent. Even even now, we poured these well, a while ago, and it's still effervescing very heavily. Mm. 
Now the uh, the flavor of flavor the color of pilsners varies from a light to almost clear to a golden hue depending on the pilsner. Mm. But they are yeah very crisp, very clean, very light, refreshing flavors. And the fragrance is a sort of light, fruity, hoppy flavor. Mm. Light, fruity, hoppy smell, fragrance, smell, smell, and mm. it and taste. It's very light. Mm. It is on the t- on the very light on the taste buds. So not to overwhelm them like a poss- possibly ale or stout. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's a little hoppy. It's got that little bit of hop bitterness at the back, mm. but it's. Yeah, it goes down so easily, mm-hmm. and it, and it's a, a savory, herby, hoppy smell, not a fruity or floral hop smell that a lot of more modern craft beers have leaned towards. Yes, very true. Mm. Yes, so um, obviously, after being so successful when they first brewed it, as we can tell from when Carlsberg began brewing it, it spread quite quickly and uh, by 1853 it was available at 35 pubs in Prague and then by 1856 it was in Vienna and by 1862 it had made its way all the way to Paris. Which sounds slow by today's standards but you have to remember in the 19th century there was no internet. Yeah things moved slowly and everything was word of mouth and people traveling by horse and cart. Mm. All running in the case of some messengers. Yeah, very true. So spreading to separate cities in just a couple of years means it was immensely popular. Spread like wildfire, I guess. Oh, yes. And uh, so that popularity, of course, led to some serious trademarking occurring. And uh, Pilsner Urkel was trademarked in 1898 to put emphasis on being the original brewery, with uh, Urkel actually meaning original well, Hmm. to suggest that that is where it first came from, that they were the first brewery Hmm. to produce it. And the actual name itself, Pilsner, as a branded beer, had been... uh, Trademarked some years earlier. I guess let's talk production, because that's interesting. Since uh, Pilsner Urkel actually used the old lagering methods until 1993. Fermenting Mm. their beer in open barrels in cellars beneath their brewery. Open barrels, that blows my mind. Like, I would be worried like dust and dirt and shit gets in there. Yeah. And so until 1993, which is a long time to be doing it the same way. Yeah. Well, it's a traditional method. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like grandma's traditional spaghetti bolognese. You don't mm. you don't mess with that recipe. Yeah. And <laughs> of course, it gave a very particular and unique taste. Mm. But they did, because you can produce a lot more using a lot less space, eventually begin fermenting in uh, large cylindrical tanks. Mm-hmm. But they do still produce small amounts in the old method for taste comparison. Yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting to taste, actually. I would love to taste the comparison between the mass-produced versus traditional method. 
I'll bet it's bloody expensive. <laughs> well, maybe we just have to take a trip to Europe to try all these incredibly old-fashioned drinks. Yeah, that are hard to get here, but mm. everywhere over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, water is a big part of this beer. It's given the fact that the original, uh, the the original recipe, were used water that was quite soft. Soft water being uh, water that is lower in minerals, which will of course affect the flavor of whatever it is you're using it for. Mm. And so. The, the quality of the water is very important for a pilsner. If you use the wrong kind of water, it doesn't. it's not going to taste any good. It's going to be more bitter, more, uh, I don't know, gritty tasting. Mm. And that has, of course, led to a lot of producers that don't have access to the exact same water supply used on the original to treat their water, to attempt to soften it. Mm. I guess now is as good a time as any since we've been a bit all over the place to mention the average strength of Pilsners. Mm. As a general rule, they're not overly strong, usually between 45 to 5% alcohol per volume. Yeah, oh, that's uh, full strength beer. Yes, though by craft standards, that's very that, light. It's 1.2, yes. roughly 1.2 standard drinks. Per, per bottle. Per this, bottle, yes. The, uh, the Carlsberg is 4.9%. Sorry, 4.8%. Which is... I need my eyes to Right in the middle of the 45 to 5%. Hmm. And, you know, when, you've, when you're drinking something as light and refreshing as a Pilsner, you don't really want, you don't really want it to be a, a boozy beer because that means you're not going to drink more. Yeah, and when it goes down so easily, if it is boozy, that's pretty dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, I suppose something we should also talk about is the difference between Pilsner and Lager. Because Pilsner, all Pilsners are Lagers, but not all Lagers are Pilsners. Yes. Pilsner is a style of Lager. Mm. And because it's made using the Lagering method that defines a Lager, but using a very different using a very different recipe to most other lagers. Mm. That light malt that we were lightly killed malt that we were talking about earlier. And the this one particular style of hops. Yeah, which is very common in German beers, but not seen much outside of Germany and not used in the quantities in German beers that it tends to be used in Pilsner. So the Carlsberg we're actually drinking is uh, made in Australia under license. Well, that that makes sense, I guess. So our Carlsberg is not going to taste the same as the real deal. No, though you you get that. I've often heard that from uh, from the Irish talking about drinking the Guinness that you get here versus the Guinness that you get in Ireland. Oh, yeah. I can imagine that it tastes much better in Ireland. Yeah, because of course ours is also made locally under license. Because mm. you know that's a lot. There's a lot of water between here and uh, here and them. Here, yeah, here and there. Well, and you know, naturally, if they produce a beer like Carlsberg here, it's not an import, so it's not going to suffer import tax. Mm. So they can sell more of it. Yes. 
And Australians are not going to know know the difference. Let's be reasonable. Yeah, well, because most of us, us included, have never had it <laughs> from Europe. No. Oh, man. The, the things I would do if I had enough money to just import beer from all over the world. Oh, it would probably be cheaper to just go to Europe. True. I suppose more fun. And one, once you get there, the beer is cheap. <laughs> That's true. Beer here is very expensive. So some different names you might see Pilsner is Pils. For if you are drinking German beers, Pilsner is the name for it in Germany, United States, and much of the world. Uh, Pilsner, a spelling used for Czech brews, which is probably the OG spelling, let's be honest, given that Bohemia is now the Czech Republic. Yes. And, oh goodness. Uh, is it Svetel Lezak? Svetel Lezak is a name used exclusively in the Czech Republic for Pilsner. So German Pilsner are the Pilsners most beer drinkers associate with this style, given, and it's given that German beers are famous worldwide. It's brewed with German noble hops, including Hallertau and Herzbruck, and the beer is thinner and lighter coloured than its Czech counterparts. It's more... It's often been described as having a more refined or clean taste that is more polished and balanced than Bohemian Pilsners. Uh, American Pilsner is also called American Pale Lager. Uh, and, and these beers were originally brewed by German immigrants and some of their names are still found on many bottles. Yes, so... Let's have, because I think we should, have an odd drop. We don't always have them. They don't always exist. But today is one of those days. Today is one of those days. It's time for some Netflix and pills. Netflix and pills. That's fantastic. (laughs) From Cannonball Creek Brewing. Love it. (laughs) Cannonball Creek. Where's that? Uh, so they are Americans. Twenty of our American listeners, let us know if you if you let us know if you're a fan of Netflix and pills. <laughs> yes, they are in Colorado. Yeah. So any of our Denver listeners, please shoot us an email. Let us know how we can get our hands on this hilariously named beverage, and make sure you serve it cold. Make sure you drink it cold. I mean, all of their beers have hilarious names, and I won't go into it too much because literally all of their beers have hilarious names. That's awesome. Yeah, well, keep don't uh, don't yeah don't read any more out in case we need to save these for another episode. For another episode, <laughs> yes. Mm. So, a pilsner. You should serve these ice cold, thirty-eight to forty-five degrees Fahrenheit. Uh that's about three, four degrees, isn't it? I think so. That sounds about right. Mm. In a tall, narrow glass, 
with a narrow base and wide rim, specifically designed to showcase the beer's clarity and snowy head. In Germany, a slow, multi-stage pour is preferred. The traditional way to pour a Pilsner is to aim the beer for the center of the glass, pouring so one-third of the glass is beer and two-thirds is foam. I was right. Yeah. Well, it, it feels wrong to pour a beer like that, because for any other beer, that's the wrong way to do it. Yeah. And I... I said this is this is what my research said, and you you said there is no way that's the standard way to no, pour. No, it, it just because <laughs> that's looks not wrong. the standard way to pour beer. <laughs> it looks but, so it looks so odd because yeah, Australian beers you pour with about one to two centimeters head tops, yeah. and I think I mean most beers that's the correct amount of head, but Pilsner mm. is not most beers. Pilsner is not most lagers. That is very true. Pilsner is its own beast. Uh, so let this foam. So let this foam sit. Sorry, let this sit until the foam dissipates slightly. Then pour a second time until the head hits the rim. After another break, the glass is topped off. It requires patience, typically between three to five minutes. Wow! And the result is a more open flavor and softer carbonation. Mm. So kind of like a Guinness pour. Which yeah. takes three to five minutes for it to settle. Yeah, though it would also require more Pilsner than we put into our glasses. Uh, maybe not. Because we didn't have much head in these glasses. Well, oh, we that's true. Them. If we'd if we'd had yeah a ludicrous amount of head, well, ludicrous by other beer standards, <laughs> then it yeah probably would have. Let's. Briefly go into food pairings because uh, one of the reasons for Pilsner's popularity is that it pairs easily with so many different foods with roasted meats, like chicken and fish. They pair really well with Pilsner. They've got you know, subtle flavors and Pilsner has a subtle sweetness to it that mm. just matches off quite nicely. Yeah, I could see this going well with roast chicken. Yeah, and uh, German-style Pilsner's apparently... Also go very well with spicy Indian or Mexican dishes. And uh, most Asian cuisines. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh, I think that's about it for this episode. We've got a slightly shorter one today. Well, I mean, we we need to bottle cap rate this. Because we've never drunk Carlsberg Pilsner before. Oh, I have. Not on the show. Not on the show. (laughs) Um, I really like this. This is nice. And I did note that it had, uh, like, it's there, there seems to be a lot of gas in my belly from the Pilsner, but I think if we poured it in the more traditional way, then we would, uh, then I wouldn't get that. Mm, and that, that does make a lot of sense that if you pour it and pour it properly, you wouldn't end up with that bloaty feeling mm. that comes from drinking a very heavily carbonated beer. Mm. Yeah, you guys can't hear me editing out all the burps because and, there's plenty of them. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I suppose that's really, I mean, as I'm sure we've mentioned before and we'll probably mention again, the reason why it's generally best, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why it's generally best to drink your beer out of a glass. Mm. rather than the can or bottle it may have come in. Yeah, there are are exceptions, of course, but pouring it into the glass reduces the carbonation and releases more smell. Yeah, which, since a lot of taste comes from smell, 
just mm. heightens the experience. Yeah, that's why it always tastes better at the pub. That's right. That and the fact that the pub smells like stale beer anyway. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so that's it for the episode, guys. If you liked what you heard, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We are a good drop all about alcohol on your favorite podcast app, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. You can also find us on the socials, Facebook and Instagram, as a good drop podcast. And if you want to check out our backlog of previous episodes, you can jump on our website, a good drop at gmail.com. And if you've got any comments, questions, feedback, uh, if you've had the Netflix and pills, please send us an email, a good drop at gmail.com. And do be sure to tune in next time when we are back on the cocktail track and talking about caffeinated cocktails. Hmm. I'm sure one springs immediately to mind that we don't need to mention. We don't. No. And if you don't know what we're talking about, tune in. Tune in. What's one of the most famous... Yeah, trivia question for next week. What's one of the most famous caffeinated cocktails? So until next time... Cheers. Cheers.